This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The Ohio derailment blame game and new video evidence reveals that operatives from this country have meddled in 33 elections around the country, including ours. Will we do anything about it? You're listening to the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I'm Brad Binkley. All right, let's talk about the train derailment in Ohio. Everybody's been playing their favorite game on Twitter today. Who's to blame? A lot of people have come to the conclusion that it is former President Trump's fault. You can see on Twitter here the way the copy and paste argument goes as it is populated across Many, many Twitter accounts, the verbatim argument, which goes like this. A rule was passed under President Barack Obama that made it a that made it a requirement for trains carrying hazardous flammable materials to have ECP brakes. But this was rescinded in 2017 by the Trump administration. That's the whole argument. That's what all of the people bots are sharing across social media. The ECP brakes are the electronic brakes that are supposed to be so much better than the ones that are in place, at least some people say anyway. But the argument, I guess, seems pretty pretty reasonable, right? I mean, this train obviously had hazardous flammable materials. We saw all the images of fire and explosions. It didn't have the ECP brakes, we're told, which, as I said, some experts believe would have mitigated, if not stopped, this train derailment altogether, some experts. And the reason they didn't have these, it would seem anyway, according to this argument, is because evil Trump repealed Angelica Obama's ECP brake mandate when he got into office in 2017. Case closed. Trump's to blame for creating Ohio Chernobyl. No more questions to ask, right? Not so fast. Here's the problem. Even if we assume that the ECP brakes would have mitigated or prevented this derailment altogether, which we don't actually know if it would have, but assuming it would have for the sake of argument, their argument that had Trump not rescinded Obama's law, this train would have been required to have those new ECP brakes and this disaster would have never happened or it would have been much less severe. That argument still fails. Why? It's simple. Because the Obama-era mandate would not have applied to this train. The law they're all relying on would not have even applied to this train. According to the law, only trains classified as high-hazard flammable trains, HHFTs, were subject to Obama's mandate. The train in Ohio would not have fallen under that classification. Therefore, it would not have been required to have those ECP brakes, and nothing would have been different. Because you see, Obama, his administration, giving in to the pressures from the railroad company lobbyist, like they're accusing Trump of doing, they all give in to the pressures of the lobbyist. But the Obama administration narrowly defined the high-hazard flammable train classification to apply only to trains carrying a certain amount of class three flammables, like crude oil and ethanol. The law, Obama's law, did not apply to class two flammable gases like the ones we're dealing with here, like 
vinyl chloride, which was in the Ohio train. Didn't fall under the classification. So people can blame Trump all they want, but the fact is that even if Obama's 2015 law were still in place, this train wouldn't have had those ECP breaks because Obama's law didn't require them to. And it's not just me saying that. This is from Lever News, and this is a left-leaning website. They've been doing a lot of reporting on this story. They have some specialties on this subject. They've been going after both the left and the right, though. I'll give them credit for that. It says, you see on the website here, Federal officials told the lever, or lever if you're British, that the train was not classified as a high-hazard flammable train under the more limited definition outlined by the 2015 Obama rule. That's federal officials in the Obama or the Biden administration saying that this train wouldn't have fallen under those classifications, even they're admitting it. The federal official goes on to say, the train did not qualify as an HHFT under the regulations. That's a National Transportation and Safety Board spokesperson. Then it says an FRA spokesperson seconded that thought, which that's the Federal Railroad Administration is what the FRA is. I had to check my notes there. So the argument everyone is making on Twitter is irrelevant. It's completely stupid. They're blaming Trump because he rescinded a law that if the law were still in place... Nothing would be different because the train wasn't subject to Obama's law. So congratulations to half of Twitter for making the dumbest argument anyone's ever made since whoever it was that started arguing that Die Hard was not a Christmas film. So if you truly care about what's going on in the people in Ohio, like if you're truly concerned about their well-being, then stop playing the social media blame game because you're helping Absolutely nothing. I take that back, actually. You're helping the New World Order achieve their goals of global dominance by buying in to this divide-and-conquer political warfare that they continue to push onto us. You're helping enslave humanity because you're showing that they can continue to dominate us with this divide-and-rule strategy. Also, why did Trump repeal Obama's law at least, why did they say that the law was repealed? The Trump administration repealed the break mandate in 2017 after a National Academy of Sciences study failed to conclusively determine that the ECP braking technology was superior to others. The regulation was dropped on the grounds that the safety benefits were inconclusive and the cost-benefit analysis was negative. This was in line with requirements set forth by Congress in a 2015 law that required the executive branch to conduct a cost-benefit analysis of the ECP break rule before enacting it. And if it was determined that the cost exceeded the benefits, the break rule had to be repealed. So they were following the law. It was later discovered that some of the potential benefits were miscalculated during the Trump-era cost-benefit analysis. The DOT at the time, Department of Transportation, they acknowledged the mistake and issued a correction, but even with the correction, it was still determined that the cost still outweighed the benefits, which according to the law meant they could not mandate it, that it had to be repealed. The DOT spokesperson at the time said, with the correction, in all scenarios, costs outweigh the benefits. 
The analysis requirement is what Mayor Pete was talking about on Twitter the other day when he said that he can't do anything to reenact Obama's rule. And his his spokesperson said, proposing a new rule would require performing a new cost-benefit analysis. Though they did acknowledge that the department has the ability to prepare that analysis. So the question is, will the Biden administration do this analysis? Maybe, but if they do, they risk coming to the same conclusion that the Trump administration came to, which is never good for for Biden. If, however, they did one on that same rule and they came to a different conclusion, then they could reenact Obama's rule for that break mandate, and it still wouldn't have applied to the Ohio train in this situation. Biden would have to come up with a much broader law to prevent something like what happened in Ohio here. He'd have to do the, the analysis and then get that one enacted. But that would draw a lot of pushback and pressure from the railroad companies, which is exactly why Obama's law was narrowly defined because he gave in to those pressures when he was in office. And by the looks of things, it does not appear that Biden is going to be running afoul of the railroad companies either. Look at this. On screen here from the lever again. Biden DOJ backing Norfolk Southern's bid to block lawsuits. This is this was published yesterday. The company whose train derailed in Ohio is asking the Supreme Court to kill a lawsuit by a sick rail worker and help the firm block future lawsuits. And we come down a little bit and it says... In the case against Norfolk Southern, the Biden administration is siding with the railroad company and its conflict with a cancer-stricken former rail worker. A high court ruling for Norfolk Southern could create a national precedent limiting where workers and consumers can bring cases against corporations. And come down a little bit further. Limiting lawsuits is exactly what the American Association of Railroads, the industry's primary lobbying group, wants. The organization filed a brief on the side of Norfolk Southern in in this case, arguing that a ruling in favor of the plaintiff would open up railroads to more litigation. It is also apparently what the Biden administration wants. The Justice Department filed its own brief in favor of Norfolk Southern. And then it says the high court's ruling could have implications for the still unfolding disaster in East Palestine, Ohio, which is just miles from the Pennsylvania border. So there you go. Biden is siding with the railroad company, Norfolk Southern, on a case that could prevent people who get sick as a result of this disaster from suing Norfolk Southern. I wonder what Mayor Pete has to say about that. Probably nothing. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So cyber hacking and interfering in our country's elections and the elections of other countries, is bad, right? I mean, it's anti-democratic, that's what they tell us, and we won't stand for it. In fact, the Deputy Attorney General, Lisa O. Monaco, announced the Disruptive Technology Strike Force Initiative yesterday to respond to nation-states who would exploit technology to undermine our alliances, our national security, and the rule of law. And this is an international initiative We're teaming up with the UK on this one. She even made the announcement at the Chatham House. Didn't even make the announcement here, which is interesting. But they seem to be taking this cyber hacking and threats to elections seriously at an international level. So I wonder what they'll do about the Israeli threat that their cyber hackers pose to elections here And around the world, because it was reported earlier this week by The Guardian that a team of Israeli cyber espionage contractors have meddled in 33 elections, yes, 33, worldwide. 27, they they said they were successful in meddling in. The, The company said that they were successful in doing it. And they did it using hacking, sabotage automated disinformation, stuff like that. This has been exposed by undercover footage and documents leaked to The Guardian. Here's some of that video of this company, the employees, the the guy who runs it, talking about their cyber espionage operations. To expose this disinformation unit, reporters went undercover as prospective clients who wanted to delay an election in Africa. In six hours of secretly recorded meetings, Hanan and his Israel-based team were filmed demonstrating their services. Open source, cyber, special operations, intelligence. Hanan has corporate and political clients and boasts about past and present jobs. 33 presidential level campaigns we have completed 27 of which were successful. One of Team Jorge's secret tools is a piece of software called AIMS, which weaponizes social media. I'll show you why our system is considered by the type of client that buy it. We have thousands of thousands of profiles. Each and every one of them multi-layer. It means they have Facebook and Instagram, and Twitter, and YouTube channel, and Telegram. 
Okay, he's saying they control thousands of bots, 30,000 of these profiles, and that they're multi-layered, meaning they have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube profiles, uh, Telegram. So you can seemingly verify that the person is real by cross-checking and, and finding all these profiles, I think is the idea. Whatever you want. This guy is former special forces operations or whatever it's called over in Israel. And here he's describing you know, how good the bots are. And he, he's kind of going through creating one of these bots. And we also learn in this clip what some of the countries are that they meddled in, that the elections that were meddled in by this group. Let's make one uh, candidate uh, together. Isla Sawyer, let's say I don't like the name, it's not, oh, Sophie Wilde, I like the name, huh? British. Already she has email, date of birth, everything. Now I want to put an image set. I'm searching for her pictures. Let's see. No, I don't like it. Where are you looking She doesn't look Canadian. I'm not going to tell you. I have to kill you later. I don't want to do that. The person asked, where are you getting the pictures? And he just said, I don't want to tell you. I'd have to kill you later. I don't want to do that. Well, then we have to trash your body in the sands. Then you have to trash your body in the sands. Maybe he's joking. But again... This guy was former special operations over there. Our investigation pointed to Team Jorge's work in countries all over the world. Now, you might notice they're showing on screen a map of the countries that they've meddled in. The United States is on there. So this group has meddled in our election. Team Jorge also claim they can hack Telegram and Gmail. This is live, right? We're live in this target. If I write him now, he, he might answer. We can see his uh, files he's keeping on his drive. We don't know exactly how Hanan does the hack, but he claims to be exploiting vulnerabilities in the global signaling system SS7. The Guardian has been leaked emails in which Hanan quotes fees of between $400,000 and $600,000. They also confirm that Team Jorge worked covertly on the Nigerian presidential election in 2015. I'm going to take that back because I'm going to show you what the re it says on screen, uh, this email that they obtained, I guess. And it says from their internal email, Best to meet tomorrow afternoon in Davos. <laughs> we can meet in our apartment or a restaurant here to discuss what we can accomplish for Nigeria in the short term. Just thought it was funny that Davos was thrown in there with that. And here we thought China getting our data and messing with things, cyber, was the big problem. This guy can just get right into your email, apparently. This certainly sounds like exactly the type of anti-democratic election interfering that our government talks so much about stopping. I mean, the U.S. was included there. They, they've hacked our election. Were they successful? I don't know if that was one of the ones, one of the 27 they claim to have been successful in. I wonder if our deputy attorney general, who just made that announcement of this new task force 
at Chatham House has anything to say about this. She was, in fact, asked about this story during her Chatham House appearance yesterday. Let's see what she had to say. Uh, You spoke earlier, uh, Deputy Attorney General, about the connection between criminals and uh, nation state actors. And my question is in relation to this uh, story that broke yesterday in the news about this Israeli company that has been uh, basically uh, offering this information as a service and therefore intervening in elections around the world. So the the strife force that you talked about is focused on adversaries or threats coming from adversary nations. And I wonder whether... This this strife was also cover threats that are emanating from an ally country. And if not, how will the U.S. continue to deal with these threats? Thank you. So basically, does your task force care if ally countries hack and, and interfere in your elections? What will you do about allies attacking democracies? Uh, thanks for the question. I'm, I'm um, not going to respond to the specific issue you, you referenced. I haven't seen that article, but I would just say broadly. Oh, she hasn't seen the article. She's not going to respond. Uh, yes, we are focused first and foremost on uh, the use and abuse of uh, these technologies by our adversaries because we don't have that level of trust, because we know uh, the um, the use that they are putting those technologies to, and we don't have uh, that level of transparency and shared values as we do with the UK and generations of security cooperation and shared values. So yes, that's our, uh, our priority. And because... Our first job in the Justice Department is to enforce the law. And we have very specific export restrictions uh, on that technology to specific countries for very good uh, intelligence and evidence-based reasons. Well, there you have it. They're not worried about Israeli cyber hackers interfering in our election. This happened over two decades. That company's been interfering in elections. So who knows how many they've interfered with. Along with them interfering in the elections of 32 other countries, they're, they're not worried about that because they, they're just somebody that we trust. They share our values, so we're cool with them attacking and undermining our democracy. It's okay. That's fine. The hypocrisy on display is just... It's a, an astonishing thing to see sometimes. That's going to wrap the show up for today. I appreciate you guys listening propagandafight.com, at Freedom Act Radio on Twitter. We'll talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.